This is the uh, third teaching on these visions. And I want to recap session number two, the last session. See how much we remembered of the last session. Session number two was about the new man, the born-again man here, the born-again man, the man that had an encounter with Jesus. Don't you know you cannot be born again unless you touch Jesus and he touches you? That's the born-again experience. And as we look at the new man, let's keep our eyes on the new man a minute. The new man. He is alive in Christ. He is no longer a stranger, a foreigner, but he is a fellow citizen with the members of the household of God. Aren't you glad you're a fellow citizen with the members of the household of God? He is a son. He's a son through the blood of Jesus. He is delivered from judgment. Praise the Lord. Aren't we delivered from judgment? He has a joint seat with Christ. In the heavenly sphere, in the supernatural, the third heaven, he is already seated with Christ. We are already seated with Christ tonight. He has an introduction to the Father, able to approach him by one spirit, having access to the Father. All we have to do is call on his name, and we have access to the Father. He can come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and to find grace to help in time of need. Worldly things are leaving his life. Godly things, kingdom things are coming into his life. That's his journey. Listen, he has a pre-arranged good life. Don't you know you have a pre-arranged good life in Christ Jesus? His fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. He has dominion on the earth. He has a majority of power in him. He has dominion on the earth to take the kingdom by force. He can take the kingdom by force. Listen, he's on a journey finding his God's perfect plan for his life. Because the blueprint of his life is already on the inside of him. Amen? Everything about your life is already on the inside of you. We don't have to look out there for it. The outer man, his outer man, the old life is perishing. It says day by day. The old man is perishing day by day. And the new man is coming forth day by day. And through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, he maintains a victorious lifestyle. That's the only way you can do it. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. He maintains a victorious lifestyle, pattern after Christ. And then he walks by faith and not by sight. So, what is a born-again man? If someone asked you, what is a born-again man, how would you answer? He's born back to God. He's had a conversion. 
His spirit has been converted. He's had a conversion. His spirit has come from darkness into light. He's born back to God. Now, how do we feed the new man, the born-again man? How do we keep him, keep him fed so that he can grow up on the inside of us? The Word of God. The revelation of God. This new man has a helper. Who's his helper? The Holy Spirit. What inspires his walk? Faith. Good. Faith. Who is the author and the finisher of his walk? Jesus. Amen. All right, we're getting it. Now, how do we become more like Jesus? What does that do? What does the word do? Renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. That's how we become more like Jesus, is renewing the mind. Let's look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 523 It says, "May the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through, separate you from profane things." Make you pure and holy, consecrated to a pure and holy, consecrated to God. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that our spirit is sound, right? It says our soul must be sound and our body must be sound before the Lord Jesus comes back. So what? whose work is this? Who sanctifies the spirit, the soul, and the body? Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the Word of God, sanctifies. It's not your work. See, that's, that's where we are supposed to enter into that rest when we, we feel the Lord Jesus at work on us. Instead, we try to fix it ourselves. And, and uh, Jesus is, is, is stepping back till we get finished with it and get weary of it. Then we throw up our hands and say, Lord, you be Lord. Lord, you be Lord. But it's the peace of God. Notice it says the God of peace is sanctifying him. So it's peace that sanctifies you. It's peace that separates you. Don't you know if you got peace, you're different from the rest? So if you have peace, you are already separated. Because the world does not know peace. 
So peace is what separates you from the rest. Okay, now we're going to begin session three now, and we're going to title it The Journey of Faith. The journey of faith is this journey from a lost man to a complete man. I'm still teaching on the first vision over here. Okay, I'm still on this first vision. And then we're going to go into the mechanics of all this so that you can get it right. So that you can get the, what I call the nuts and bolts of this thing so you can pull it together in your mind. But this will be the last session that I'll do a corporate overview of the beginning and the end of the walk with Christ. And then we'll get into the nuts and bolts and different visions here that actually help us on our journey. So this is a journey of faith. Let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display. I want to look at that. I'm reading for the Amplified. Display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, there's several words I want you to focus on. You are a chosen people. You are purchased by the blood of Christ. And you are set forth, it says, to display the virtues and the perfections of Christ. There's no way that we can be perfect without Christ. There's no way that we can have a godly character without Christ. So what he's saying in this verse is God is setting us forth. In other words, he's going to display us. To bring forth the virtue, the character of Christ, and the perfection of Christ. I hear all the time that you can't be perfect. No, but I, he can through me. The more I become one with Jesus, the more perfect I become. Isn't that right? So we can be perfect. Through him and in him, we can be perfect. Let's go to 1 Peter 1.10. 1 Peter 1.10. Or 2 Peter 1. Yeah. Second, let's look at 2 Peter 1.10. I think I wrote it down wrong. 2 Peter 1.10. see if that's it. First Peter, second Peter, one ten. I was caught up in the spirit. I couldn't even write. One Peter, one ten. 
Okay, yeah. <clears throat> Let's look at 1 Peter 1 9. I've got a highlight. At the same time, 1 Peter 1 9, at the same time you received the result, the outcome, the consummation of your faith and the salvation of your soul. So when when Christ bought you and you 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 accepted him as your savior, you received everything. It says right here, you even received the salvation of your soul. Well, why does my soul act like it? Why does it act like it and think like it? Because we've got to get what's in the spirit worked into the soul, worked into the mind. We've got to get this thing together right here. These two have to be in agreement to be able to be whole in these areas. So this is a journey of faith. Christ being formed in us is a journey of faith. We are working out. It says we are working out the salvation that is in our spirit man and working it into the soul man. You get that? We're working what's in the spirit, the regenerated spirit, and working it into the soul functions here where they become one. You see, the new man cannot mature without a renewed mind. You cannot mature in Christ without a renewed mind. And sadly to say, there's not enough revelation going on in the church to, to bring us from one place to another to another place from glory to glory. We hear about from glory to glory to glory all the time, don't we? But I don't see any glorious sons of God yet. I don't see the world chasing after the church when they should be the world should be running to the church because the light is so bright and darkness is drawn to the light everybody is drawn to the light so the new man cannot receive the inheritance that is in the kingdom without what a renewed mind so the promises, promises of God is received through a new mind. What is a sign of being in him? If somebody asks you, how do you know you're in Christ? Peace. Good, Richard. Peace. Let's look at Psalm 9511. Psalm 9511. says where I wherefore I swore in my wrath that they would not enter my rest the land of promise so the rest is where the land of promise is and Jesus was talking about the Israelites here out of their rebellion they couldn't enter the, the rest of God so keep that in your mind the rest the peace is the land of promise did not say it's the promised land it's the land of the promise okay so that means it's a position you have to be in you see peace 
put you in position to receive the promise. Amen? It's the land of promise. So peace is the land of promise. So you're in position for the promise to be attracted to you, to be drawn to you. And what are the promises of God? Who can answer that? The covenant of Abraham. The covenant of Abraham. The promises of God is the covenant of Abraham. See, we're inheriting a kingdom that's already in us. The kingdom is within us. We all know that, right? When you got born again, the kingdom of God is in you. Now, when it says you have to inherit the kingdom, then who's inheriting it? You're inheriting it through the renewed mind. Okay? When the mind is renewed by the word of God, what happens is you come into agreement with the kingdom benefits that are in you. And when you come into agreement with the kingdom benefits that are in you and you speak, you see, your words begin to create the kingdom. It's your words that do it. Your words create the kingdom that you're going to walk and live in. Because we, we're supposed to be living and walking in the kingdom of life. So our words keep us in the kingdom of life, which is Jesus Christ. Or our words can keep us in the kingdom of death, which is uh, Satan and his kingdom. So this whole journey of faith is about inheriting the kingdom. Jesus said it in John when he said, I came to give you life and life abundantly. Well, the abundant life is inheriting the kingdom here on this earth. That's the abundant life in Christ. Which ultimately we will, we will experience that when we go to heaven. But Jesus didn't send us here to experience it in heaven. He wanted us to experience it here first. He said, bring the heaven of earth, heaven, kingdom of heaven on earth. I'm calling you to bring it in. Let's look at Acts 14, 22. Acts 14, 22. If we only knew what was in the kingdom, if we could get a glimpse of the new things that God has for us and has stored up for us, we would be running this race. We would be running this race. Acts 14, 22 says, Strengthen the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, We must, through many hardship and tribulation, enter the kingdom. Now, He's talking to his disciples, right? He's saying, strengthen disciples and exhort them and tell them they're going to enter, go through many hardship and tribulation to enter the kingdom of God. Well, most people would think you were, they were already in the kingdom, but he is talking to his disciples, right? This is Acts. This is the church. What he's talking about there, entering into the kingdom benefits. If you're a disciple of Christ, you're already in the kingdom. There's a difference between being in the kingdom and entering the kingdom benefits. Listen, it says, strengthen the soul, not the spirit. 
It said, strengthen the soul through what? Faith, exhorting them to continue in the faith. That strengthens their souls. And faith strengthens, strengthens the soul to carry out obedience. That's what faith does. It strengthens the soul, the mind, to carry out obedience. And obedience is obeying the word of God. Now, it says, go on, let's say, it says, through hardship and tribulation, we enter the kingdom of God. Through grace, we enter the kingdom. You remember, faith releases grace, right? And grace releases what? Provision. Grace is, is unmerited favor, so it's giving you favor. It's a spirit that gives you favor to obtain provision. The spirit of grace is a spirit. It's a spirit. It's to anoint you. Don't you feel that grace come on you when you're in a trial? I feel, I feel grace come on me. It's like an anointing, and it kind of pushes me through it. That's what it's doing. It is empowering you to get to your harvest, to get to your promise. It's a spirit. But it's activated through faith. So what is he talking about? We are already in the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. What is he saying that we must enter the kingdom when we are already in the kingdom? You see, we have not entered the promises of God, the Canaan land. I call it the Canaan land. I call it the land flowing with milk and honey. I call it the land of freedom. You're free in your spirit, right? But most of us aren't free in our minds yet. So when we're not free in our minds, there's going to be a deficit somewhere in our life. We're going to be lacking somewhere because there's, there, there's lack where there's not faith. Where there's faith, there's not going to be any lack. So why do we have to go through hardship? I asked the Lord, I said, why do we have to go through hardship and tribulation to accomplish this exchange? And this is what he told me. He said, Gene, in the spirit, you move from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. When you get born again, you move from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. Now, he said the soul moves from selfishness to righteousness. Righteousness is in right standing with God through Jesus Christ. You have four functions to your soul, intellect, will, emotions, and affections. Each one of those functions has to be in right standing with Jesus Christ to be able to receive what's, what he has in his kingdom. He said this, this exchange... There's an exchange going on as you're going through hardship and tribulation. It's an exchange going on from negative thinking to positive thinking to an ungodly character to a godly character. But listen, he also says in the word of God that the battle is not yours. He said this battle, you're, you're not equipped for this battle. Jesus had the victory over the grave. He resurrected in a resurrected body. He has no sin. And I'm telling you, you can't fight this battle when you have sin and expect to win because that's carnality jesus has to fight this battle for you that's why he said all through the scripture listen the battle's not yours it's a war between the spirit of iniquity and the spirit of jesus christ you see the spirit of iniquity is still alive in the darkness of the man its power has been broken but it's still alive you can be still alive and have no power right I know a lot of people walking today are still alive and they have no power. So the spirit of iniquity is still alive but has no power over your life unless you yield to it and then you empower it. Amen? The spirit of iniquity is the power behind sin. It's an unknown, unseen force. It is the power that moves you to transgress and then moves you from transgression to sin which is rebellion. So some of us engage in a war that we're not equipped for. I see it all the time. 
Because I see it, on, I see it on, on, the, on, on, on people's faces, what they're going through. I see fear. I see anger. I see all these things that they're going through. And that tells me they've engaged into the battle that's not theirs. They've engaged into this battle that they cannot win. Jesus said, you have the victory. It's out there. But that victory has got to be through him. And the only way that you can work through him, you've got to surrender. And how do you know that you're, you're totally surrendered? Peace comes. That's how you know that he has taken on the battle for you, is when peace comes. That's how you know that you've truly disengaged from this warfare that's in your life. You see, fear will, will put you in the firing line in execution. The Lord said, tell them that fear puts them in a firing line. And I said, well, what's happening in the fire, firing line, Lord? He said, it's an execution of grace. Grace is being executed. Fear puts you in the firing line. Fear removes the protection of God. Fear removes the protection of God. You have no protection. You're wide open for the fiery darts of the enemy to keep pounding you like a machine gun. Bah, 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 bah. And, and the whole time, the enemy's executing grace because the enemy knows if you'll step out of fear into faith, grace is provoked and grace accomplishes what God wants in your life. So think about that. When you're operating in fear, you are actually allowing the enemy to execute grace. It's an execution taking place. Now listen, there's signs of movement towards the promised land. God gives us signs of movement towards our promised land. All right, now what is the promised land? The land of promise is what? Peace. Okay, now God gives us signs. As we start moving towards the land of the promise, God gives us signs. Now let's look at uh, Acts 7, 17. Acts 7, 17. Praise the Lord for the word. I call the word of God the roadmap for life. It's the roadmap for life. Acts 7, 17 says, But as the time for the fulfillment of the promise drew near which God had made to Abraham the people increased and multiplied in Egypt now what did Egypt represent bondage but listen it says I want you to look at the time it says the time drew near so that means it's an appointed time for you to receive from God the Bible says it's written in the book that are date the days that are fashioned for you so when that appointed time draws near that word says bondage increases in your life. Well, you would think just the opposite. If the time of the promise is drawing near and the promise has got all this glory on it and all this power on it, wouldn't it just blow the enemy back? No, because the enemy has such a tight grip in the residue of the fall around the holiness in you that when he is threatened that the promise is drawing near, he puts his grips on you. They're trying to keep you right where you are. So there's a time that draws near for the fulfillment of the covenant. When it says bondage increased and multiplied, that means hardship. Egypt was a representation of hardship, hardship and tribulation. I said, Lord, now you, you've given me signs of movement that I'm moving towards the appointed time to receive my promise. Now, give me signs of the time that's drawing near give me signs of that time that's drawing near and he said what he said there are six things one fears when fear grips you when fear grips your mind that's how you know the time is near for God to bring something into your life that you've been crying out to God for you can't cry out to God unless you have a desire 
Because God put that in your heart to cry out to him. Amen. Didn't Jesus said, if you delight yourself in me, I will give you the desires of your heart in Psalm 37. He said, I'll do it. So it's not your work. It's his work. Number two would be temptations. Temptations grip you, grip you. Temptation embanks you, embanks you. Number three is trusting in man. When bondage gets, it, gets its grip in you and tightens it, its grip, it causes you to look to man for your source. Man is not your source. God is your source. Number four, he said when bondage increasing gets its grip on you, you become a man pleaser. You want to please man. He said this is a sign that the promise is near, that you want to try to please man. I've seen so many saints trying to please the leaders in the church, trying to please the pastor or trying to please uh, apostles and prophets. And God didn't call you to please that man. God just called you to love that man. That's all we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to please them. We're supposed to love them because love encom en en encompasses it all. Love has it all. The, every, everything that that man needs is in love. Number five, pride. Pride will get its grip on you and say, I'm going to do it my way. God, you're not coming through for me, so I'm going to do it my way. That's what pride does. He don't need God. Spirit of pride doesn't need God. I'm going to do it my way. That's what you're seeing taking over the church right now in high places. Because there's so much corruption going on behind the scenes, the Spirit of God has departed, and man's got to look to man for his source now. And there's a spirit of confusion. Jesus said in the final days, the spirit of confusion would be released. And it's here. It's here. Pride. Number six, <clears throat> when, when, when bondage gets its grip and the promise of God is near, things start leaving your life. Material possessions start leaving, leaving your life. People start leaving your life. You know, there's some people in your life that can't be hooked, that can't be, can't be attached to you uh, while, while the promise is drawing near. You can't take that person with you. You can't take that person with you. They're holding you back. They're holding you back. Some people, God is expecting you to let go. So when they, when they start getting a tight grip on you, you know why. It's a spirit working through them to try to hold you back. These are signs of promotion in motion. Don't look at, at it as a bad thing. These are signs of promotion in motion. It's signs of a divine exchange happening. It's a divine exchange happening. When the church gets this revelation that in their... their the hour, I call it the hour of power, the darkest hour, that they have not done anything wrong. The devil tries to condemn you, and you've done everything right. You're on the, you're on the platform of promotion, and all hell's breaking loose, trying to stop you from stepping over and receiving that promise. You, you talk to that devil. You say, I've done everything right. I've done everything right. I feel your effects. I feel your fears. I feel your temptations. I feel your pride coming against me. But I'm going to plow through it. I'm not going to submit to you. I'm going to submit to Jesus. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus. And when you keep your eyes on Jesus, the Bible says that the blessings overtake you. Now, someone, for someone to overtake you, they got to come behind you, right? That's how the blessings of God overtook me because I kept my eyes on Jesus. And every time I turned around, something was hitting me in the back. And I looked behind me and it was a blessing. It overtook me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Praise the Lord. Philippians, Philippians 2.12. Philippians 2.12. says, work out. You need to underline that word. It says, work out, cultivate, carry out. 
to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling and dis self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. Listen, it's saying carry out and fully complete your salvation. Your salvation is not complete until the soul occupies what's in your spirit. The salvation that's in your spirit is not complete until it occupies the soul. It's not complete until it's resonant. But listen, it's saying to you, carry out this salvation with what? Self-distrust, serious caution, sensitive to conscience, watchful against temptation, and shrinking and drawing away from whatever might offend God in the name of Christ. Don't you know the spirit of fear, when you submit to that, it offends God? It's an offense to God because fear is a God. Fear is a God. I like this one. It says sensitive to the conscience. He goes back to the spirit man. Remember that conscience is one of the functions of your born again spirit. It says to be sensitive to the conscience because that's where the Holy Spirit is going to convict. That's where conviction comes from, that you're on the right track or you're on the wrong track. But we need to shrink from whatever is offending God as we work out this salvation. Luke 9:62. Luke 9:62 says, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back to the things behind him is fit for the kingdom of God. When you put your hand to the plow, you are plowing in hope. You've got to plow in hope to receive the benefits of the kingdom. You've got to plow in hope to receive the benefits of the kingdom through the king. You've got to go through the king to get the kingdom benefits. But listen, it says, don't look back to the things that are behind you or you're not fit to receive these benefits of the king why do we look behind us fear you got to trust jesus when you can't see him when you can't touch him when you can't hear him he said i'll never leave you nor forsake so when you can't see him touch him or hear him you stand on his word you quote that word that'll keep you from looking back because when you're plowing in hope hoping for this salvation to be complete and all of a sudden bondage shows up a dart shows up and you look back jesus is saying hey you're not ready you're not ready so that means i've got to spend more time with him i've got to get more of the word of god in me and you can't get the word of god in you by by uh, a soulish realm the word of god has to be revealed to your spirit before it can do anything for you that's why the church is for the most part the church is in bondage because they don't know how to get a hold of God through prayer, praise, and worship and pull down these revelations. You pull these revelations down in praise and worship and the unveiling of it happens on, on the inside of you. And that is your word. That has the power to take you through that threshold and receive your promise. That's all it takes. Now we know why we're not, some of us aren't receiving yet because we keep looking back. We could look, keep looking back to former relationships. We could keep looking back to addiction. We could keep looking back to things that satisfy the flesh because the flesh is starving to be satisfied. Listen, until we forget those things that are behind us and look forward to the things that Jesus has promised us, we cannot be in position to receive. It's impossible because God is trying to do a new thing in your life. He is trying to do a new thing. The born-again man, he is called to the new thing. Everything in his life is new, and it's an unveiling. Every day, you should be experiencing something new. Isaiah 
Turn to Isaiah 43:18. Isaiah 43:18. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is speaking through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. In other words, do not bring into view in your mind the things of your past. It's like a picture that shows up. You say, well, what things am I not to remember? You know, I like to remember my children when they graduated from high school. I like to remember these things. So what am I not to remember? I asked the Lord, I said, tell us what we're not to remember. And he said, Gene, don't remember anything that the old creation produced. Don't remember the old man's ways of sin. Don't remember how many times he missed the mark and missed the mark, sin. We don't remember those things. And all of us have, have, have missed the mark. Amen? Praise the Lord. I think Jesus, you know, allows us to miss the mark so he can reveal himself. You know, I've missed the mark a lot. And, and each time I got closer to Jesus. So without me missing the mark, I couldn't have got closer to Jesus. That, that, that's just the way he worked with me. I kept missing the mark. Every time I missed the mark, I got more and more frustrated. Because Jesus will not allow you to receive nothing that's not from him. You can entertain it. You can date it. You can do all these things. But you'll never become one with it. <laughs> you will never become one with it. That's got to happen in the spirit. Oneness has got to happen in the spirit. And there's a peace when it happens. In this. It's a covenant connection. I had, I had lunch today with Carrie Smith, and we'd known each other for years. And we probably hadn't talked in four or five years. And we just started having lunch the last few months. But there was always that connection. When the Apostle Paul wrote most of the letters, he said, I'm with you in spirit. He was so in tune to them that he even saw uh, uh, a man having sex with his father's wife in the spirit. He picked it up in the spirit. Well, those days are coming back, you know. Those days are coming back. Do not remember the former things. There's death on it. Why does God not want me to remember these things? I say there's death on it, and there is death on it. But I asked the Lord, I said, why don't you want me to remember these? I have power over these things. Why can't I remember these things? Why can't I just entertain them and, 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 and convince myself that I've gone past that and I'm in a better place? He said, this is why. Go to the next verse, Isaiah 43, 19. He said, because I am doing a new thing, and now it springs forth. So when does it spring forth? Okay, what is our sign that it's springing forth? Temptation. Temptation to remember the former things. Something's about to spring forth in your life when you've got to remember the former things. Something's about to spring forth in a relationship when you've got to remember an old relationship and run back to it because your flesh is tired of being tired of being tired of being alone. The new thing's fixing to spring forth. It's on, the, it's on the diving board. It's fixing to spring forth. And the temptation comes and pulls you back. And you go back. And you go back. And you go back. And you know, as far as you go back, you got to reclaim all that ground. We reap what we sow, right? Same amount of time I sowed into this flesh. Same amount of time I have to reap. That's how it works. So anyway, God is trying to do a new thing in your life. Let it spring forth. It says, do you not perceive it and know it? And I will not give and will not give heed to it. I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So why does God not want you to remember the things of the old nature? He's doing a new thing. I'm keeping it simple. Might be too simple for you. He's doing a new thing. What is the new thing? What's the new thing that he wants to spring forth into your life? The kingdom benefits, the covenant, the desire of your heart. You know, the desire of your heart is a kingdom benefit. 
That's a new thing. You got a desire, desire, but you had not seen it manifest yet. Okay, that's a kingdom benefit. God gives us those desires so he can get glorified in that desire. He can be glorified in you in that desire. So listen, when, when is the time of the springing forth? When is the time of the springing forth into this inheritance? There's a time. Remember, we're talking about time. There's a point in time. When is the time? How do I know the time has showed up when the old man is exposed, when the old nature is exposed? When this man's time, the inner man, is ready to move to this promotion, okay? The first thing that's going to happen when this man begins to move forward, he's growing as he's moving in faith. He's getting bigger and bigger as he's moving in faith. And what he's doing, his light is shining on that darkness on the inside of him, and it's exposing the old creation. It's exposing the old character. So fear shows up. Trusting man shows up. Pride shows up. Anger shows up. All these things are showing up in our, in our minds and in, in our heads. And we're thinking, what in the world? Am I not doing anything right? You're doing everything right. Promotion. In motion. Everything's being exposed. It's in the old creation. It's in the old creation. So how do I know the old nature is being exposed? I said fears, trusting in man, pride, loss of things, things that we created through the old nature, and God didn't have his hand in it. Spirit of God had nothing to do with it. You didn't invite him in it. So you went ahead and did it on your own, created it yourself. And when God starts promoting you, that's the first thing that's going to leave you is what you created. Bondage grips you. Hardship and tribulation show up. And he says, do you not perceive it? Do you not know it? Don't you understand what's going on? Something is about to spring forth in your life. He said in verse 19, he said, I will make a way. He is the way maker. You can't make a way when the hardship comes. You can't make a way when the tribulation comes. You can't make a way in that hour of darkness. He has to make the way. It's his work. It's his battle. You see, listen, he said, I will make a way. In the wilderness. Now, what is the wilderness? The wilderness is a time of testing. And everybody says, oh, I'm in the wilderness. Well, you know that he has entered into a time of testing. You're going to be tested before you receive the promise. Remember the Israelites were in the wilderness and they tested God and they failed the test. He said, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, the dry place, the soul is dry until the river comes through it, right? Okay, now, when God says, I'm making a river in a dry place, this is what it's going to look like. These are the rivers. When the divine exchange happens in each one of these functions, and you submit to God and keep your eyes on Jesus, what's coming forth? The rivers of life on the inside of you, and causing that dry place, that depressed place in your soul to become refreshed with the river of life. Now you're producing fruit. You're producing fruit. You're producing the fruit of the kingdom. He says, I will make a way in the test, and I will release the rivers of living water through the dry places of your soul. So I said, Lord, well, what do I do while you are making a way? Tell me exactly what I need to do. I want to get this right. And he said, would you just go to Hebrews 6.12? Hebrews 6.12. He said, that'll be your answer. Get it right. It says, in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards but imitators behaving as do those who through faith by their leaning on the entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power in his wisdom 
and his goodness and by practice of patience and endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises of God. So, through faith and patience, they inherited the promises of God. All the saints that are, went, that are, that, that are ahead of us, they inherited the promises of God through faith and patience. Now, if you're going to have faith in Jesus, when you have faith in Jesus, patience is the spirit of Christ. So when you have faith in Jesus, he's going to release the spirit of patience because we don't have patience. We can't produce that fruit. It's his fruit. So you know that when patience comes on and you're at peace and you're patiently waiting on the promise, you can be assured that it is coming towards you. It's coming towards you. We got to rest. We have to rest. God has done so much for me in my rest than I ever did with these two hands. Put my hands to anything. When I learned to lift my hands and worship him and praise him in my rest, and that's what you do. While you're patiently waiting on him, you enjoy him. You praise him. You meditate on his word. You pray. You come in fellowship with him. If you don't get into that mindset, get into exercising that, you will not receive the promise of God. It's impossible to receive the palm promise of God. Now listen, he said, do not grow disinterested. That's easy to do. Didn't it say, do not grow weary, for in due time you'll reap. The flesh wants to convince you to get disinterested. But God is telling you in this verse, do not grow disinterested. Keep your eyes on your promise. Keep your eyes on your desire. Keep your eyes on God, what God called you to do. Keep your eyes on the gift of God that he placed in you. Keep your eyes on the things of God that he's given you. Dwell on those things that he's given you. Keep your eyes on them. Don't get disinterested and become spiritual sluggards. Be patient as the promise comes near. Now, faith is keeping your eyes on Jesus, right? Faith is keeping your eyes on Jesus. Now, let's look at Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will guard him. And keep him in perfect and constant peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he commits himself to you. Now listen, he will keep those in perfect peace whose mind, whose thoughts, your thoughts are fixed on him. Are focused on him. You see, that peace that he gives you has a purpose with it. And that peace is God's power to accomplish salvation in your life. To complete this work. You say, well, Gene, how do you know that? How do you know that peace is God's power that brings me through. Look at 1 Peter 1.5. 1 Peter 1.5. Praise the Lord. 1 Peter 1.5 says, We are being guarded by God's power through faith till you fully inherit the final salvation that is ready to be revealed for you. It says for you. It's going to be revealed for you in the last time. Well, what is the last time? What is the last time? The last time is the last time I'm going to see the flesh in view. This is the last time I'm going to see fear in view. Remember I said the things that come in view are headed for burial. That's the last time I'm going to see my flesh. My sinful desire, my flesh is my sinful desire. But it says we are protected, guarded by God's power through keeping our minds fixed on Jesus until we fully inherit the final salvation. And that is being complete in him. That's what our final salvation is is being complete in Jesus, to be revealed for you in the last time. Isn't that powerful? You see what keeping your eyes on Jesus will do? When the trial comes, when the temptation comes, when bondage increases, don't get your eyes on the bondage. Even though you feel its grip, you keep your eyes and look at Jesus. Look up. 
Say, Lord, I know that you're Lord over this process. He is the Lord over this process. And I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you. And I'm going to keep confessing that you are my Lord. I said, well, Lord, give me a sign of your approval. What is the sign of your approval? And he showed me Psalm 67, 6. Psalm 67, 6. The earth has yielded its harvest in evidence of God's approval. And God will bless. So the signs of the rewards of a complete work. Now the complete work is the completeness of a godly character. The manifestation of the character of Jesus in us. That is the complete work we're talking about. He says when you have that complete, then... I will bring the harvest to you. The harvest is yielded to a godly character. And I said, well, Lord, what harvest? Uh, you talking about my, my seeds? What kind of harvest are you talking about? He said, Gene, souls is always on my mind. He said, my approval is when I draw souls to you because I can trust them with you because you have a godly character. You see, when you have a godly character, God will draw people to you. That's first on God's mind. That's his harvest. Then he says, he will bring the seeds that you have planted. He will bring the harvest of the seeds that you have planted. I've had desires in my heart, and I would plant financial seed to get this desire moving. And it works. It works. I said, Lord, I'm going to commit this seed to the expectation of receiving this harvest. It wasn't money. I wouldn't ask for money. I was asking for something that would make me complete where I wouldn't have to look to man for it. I wanted the God, God to supply it to me and make me complete. That's the harvest. It's yielded to you. God will not draw you, draw his, his, his promises to you until your character is godly. And what is a godly character? What is the fruit of a godly character? Love, joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. This, this whole journey of faith is to develop a godly character. This complete man has the full character of Jesus Christ. In fact, you can judge yourself if you're there or not. Am I operating in love? What's the, what's the, what's the definition of love? Love does no harm. Am I harming people? And I'm not there yet. So that's the first thing we got to get right. If we can't get the love thing right, we can't get the rest of them right. Because love's got to work through all those. So we've got to judge ourselves before we act with our tongue. What comes out of our tongue? Is it... What I'm about to say, are they going to feel my love? I fail this test all the time. You know, every time I fail, fail the test, I feel like I'm back, I'm back here, back here, trying to get the love thing right. And when I slip, I feel the conviction. The Holy Spirit is so strong, it convicts. And God says, just, just, just confess it, and I'm faithful. I'm faithful to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Just that quick, it's done. Do it quickly before the devil gets a foothold on that thing. I mean, right away. As soon as you feel the conviction, say, Lord, I confess. I just feel your conviction. And right then, you can, you can just imagine the blood washing over you. You can just imagine the water that's on the Word washing the residue that tempted you to act that way. It's just that easy. And you move on. Get your hands back on that plow, and you keep plowing in hope. Keep plowing in expectation. Keep plowing in faith. Because it will come to pass. It will come to pass. God's doing a quick work. He is doing an accelerated work. And how you know He's doing an accelerated work because he's given us revelation to get the work complete quickly. Without revelation, we're done. We, we, we just can't move without revelation. We'll be marching in that column right there as a born-again babe till Jesus comes back without revelation. He draws 
souls. I can't wait for the souls, the harvest. Amen. Questions. Let's go over it. Let's go over just what this we that we taught tonight, this teaching tonight. The promise of God. How do you know your promise is near? Bondage increases. Something from your past shows up. A voice shows up. A person shows up. That's how you know. The time is near. Now, if there's no time in God, the time's always going to be there <laughs> till you get it right. God's, he's not going to remove it because he wants you to get it right. You're just delaying your promise. You're delaying the, the receiving. So what puts you in the land of promise? How do you know you're in the land of promise? Peace. Peace puts you in the land of promise. So what does peace do? It draws the promise to you. Peace guards you. The word of God says to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your heart and your mind, it says. Two-fold statement. So it's guarding your spirit and your mind, but you've got to give him the petition. And it's got to be followed with thanksgiving. That's how you release spirit to go to work, is when you thank God for the answer. You know, you can water a lot of seeds by thanking God. Just be in a, in a spirit of thanksgiving. Lord, I thank you. When, you. when you pray a prayer in the morning, and you've got your prayer list out, and you're praying out these prayers, after every prayer, you say, Lord, I thank you. Well, the Holy Ghost just watered that prayer. He watered that prayer to cause it to grow. You've got to thank God, thanking for everything. And then when you receive it, then you've got to praise him. And you know what allows you to keep what you receive? You've got to keep praising him. You've got to keep praising him. You've got to keep thanking him. You've got to worship him. That keeps everything pure and holy so that you can keep it. Because you still have a devil that's coming to kill, steal, and destroy. He hates it when you get blessed. Because when you receive your promise, when you receive the desires of your heart, he just lost some more ground in your life. He just had to surrender up some more ground in your life. When you are completely whole, you will not be in any want. As long as there's want, Satan is going to be knocking at your door. Jesus said there's no want for those who fear me. So you can be in want or have want, but when you fear him in reverential fear and worship him, that want goes away, even, do, even though the ground of it's still there, the desire goes away. It leaves you. Bondage increases when this man starts moving from here to here. Bondage increases in that in-between zone. I call it a godly frustration. I look back over the last 15 years of my life, and now I'm understanding all this. Everything that I went through, I was in training ground. I was in, I was in boot camp. I'm telling you, I was in boot camp actually experiencing what he brought forth in visions. Because you can't bring something forth if you hadn't experienced it. It's not going to do anybody no good if you haven't walked this talk, talked this walk, 
God wants to bless you. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you can inherit everything that Satan took from Adam. Everything that Adam delivered over to Satan, God has given it back to you. But you've got to do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to rest, then you're supposed to rest. If the Holy Spirit says, now let's get to work, then you've got to get to work. Because there's two types of faith. There's one that rests and there's one that moves. One that rests and one that moves. Question. I, now's the time because you know what? After all this is done, everybody's in here is going to come up here. And everybody. I'm going to see who's the, who, who, who the disciples are. Who's getting it? Who can te- take good notes, to get the CDs, go back and listen to CDs? Because we've got to make disciples. One man can't do this work. It's a body that's got to do this work. And the Lord showed me this, this afternoon something or spoke, revealed something to me. And he said, Gene... He said, this place must not and will not be a place of carnality. He said, it will not be a place of division. It will not be a place of jealousy. It will not be a place of strife. It will no, there will be no vainglory in this place. He said, pray to purify this place with my presence. Don't let sin or sinners become comfortable in this holiness. You know why? Because that's a dangerous place. I, that's a dangerous place, knowing that you are, you are knowingly in sin and sitting in the presence of God. Don't you know that's mocking God? That is mocking God. And the Bible says he will not be mocked. And it goes on to say his mighty mighty hand will, will diminish us so that he can exalt us. He will reduce us so that he can increase senses, simple stuff. It wasn't simple in my journey, but I know if I, if I had somebody teaching me what I'm teaching you, if you can just get it right on that threshold of change, it can happen just that. It can happen just promotion. Remember, the devil condemns. And if you feel condemnation in that trial, then... He is the one bringing condemnation on the area of your life. It's not because condemnation is in the residue of the fall. Until the word of God washes that, there's no condemnation. The word has to renew the mind. You know how people, you feel condemned or you feel rejected when people say something to you? That's, that's, that's the residue of the fall. When you get to the point where, where people's words won't affect you, you know you've made it. You're dead. You're a dead man. These darts won't affect you anymore. Numb. Dead the accusations. you got to know who you are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, I don't care what people say about you. It won't bother you. It won't bother you. You know how you're living. You know how you praise Him. You know how you worship Him. You know how you thank Him. It won't bother you because you, know you know who you are in Christ. It's a blessed place to be. We're words, and all of us can get there. Amen. All of us are going to get there. We're going to help each other get there because we got to do this thing together we got to do this and, thing and Bernice is uh, full-time now and she's going to help getting this these packages and these productions and out so that uh so that we can give these packages out to people who want to get this message so praise the lord and we thank heather for watching tonight i hope she got something out of this message because if she'll apply this word she'll receive the desires of her heart the bible says somebody else is going through what you're going through you're not the only one going through it there's a comfort in that. There's a comfort in that. That we can lean on each other. And we can comfort each other through these trials, tribulations. Any questions? Y'all got it? Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank, I thank you for your word that you have revealed to us. I thank you for the spirit of understanding that's been released tonight to help us understand it, Father, and receive it. Father, I just want to pray right now a prayer against Satan. And I say in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would frustrate the devices of that crafty one, that he cannot carry out his plan. And let him fall, Lord God, into his own net while we escape safely. And let no weapon formed against us prosper, and every tongue that would rise in judgment would be condemned. For this is the heritage of our God, and our righteousness comes from him. 
So, Lord, how long will you look on and not rescue us from the enemy's destruction and not deliver our life from the mouth of the lion? For we commit it to you. We trust you that you would bring it to pass, that you would bring forth our righteousness as the light and our justice as the noonday. Let all those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. And all those who love your name, we put our trust in you. For you, my God, will not forsake those who diligently seek you, that you would make our feet like the feet of deer and that you'd keep us on high places. For I know the Lord God saves his anointed and he will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. For you are our strength and you are a saving saving grace to your anointed and those who trust you mercy shall surround them for the angel of God encamps them because they fear you and the, and, and the angel delivers them from all their trouble for you said many are the afflictions of the righteous but my God delivers us out of them all you said the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers us from all our fears so father I thank you that Satan is defeated. We bind him tonight. We bind all fear. We bind all rejection. We bind all anger. We bind the spirit of debt. We bind the spirit of iniquity. We bind the spirit of rejection in the name of Jesus. And I release the power of God in these areas, Father, that the promotion can take place, that they go on to perfection and to a godly character that they might receive the desires of their heart tonight. And Father, I just pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come upon them to the knowledge of Jesus, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in them and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power. Now fill them with the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you they may walk worthy of you and ple fully pleasing you and being fruitful in every good work and increasing into the knowledge of God strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy Lord I thank you for it right now we just seal it with the blood of Jesus we seal it with the guarantee of the Holy Spirit he is our guarantee that he will get this work complete through us and make us just like Jesus. So, Father, we leave here in praise and thanksgiving. We thank you for the revelation. We'll apply it to our life because once we apply it, you're able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to that revelation that works through us. And we thank you for it right now. And we just want to give him some praise right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord.